episode 45 of the MetroFed TV rundown coming to you live in the middle of the international break. And yes, international soccer can be fun, but ultimately it should be banned. Just like how Fernando got banned and he can't join us once again. So it's just me and Juan. How are you, Juan? I'm all right, Lens. How are you? I'm not banned from the podcast like Fernando, so I should be okay. Unfortunately. I'm still Um... stuck. I don't know what's happening with me you know i played soccer <laughs> for the first time with other people yesterday oh my god uh, you went outside i went outside for the first Holy time <laughs> since i haven't played with another human being in the game of soccer uh since like october 2019 could you say that you actually touched grass today <laughs> it, it was turf so it wasn't really grass i mean it, it all counts the same at the end it all counts you know, the same. Like... i touched grass yes and, like a, and a billion pellets of, of crumbled tire. Oh my god, like that's the worst, you know. Like every time like I come I I, I leave five aside here, right? And I'm in my bathroom and I uh, do the change and like pellets fall over the uh bathroom floor. Especially since I'm oh, yeah. old, right? So it, then Yeah, so, so the you're like on the ground in, a lot. Yeah, the pellets end up in places I didn't even think that they could end up coming out of your ears. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, I had I had a CAT scan once, and they found one in my pancreas, but that could have just been kidney stones. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> you have the black glow. Like, no, I just fell face first under pellet turf. Yeah, it, it, it's the astroturf that I ate. That's a... <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, so in the middle of international break, international soccer means no Red Bull soccer, and that kind of sucks, doesn't it? Um, international games of note, of course, um, I think, uh, some of our players have been called up. Some of our players such as Aaron Long would have been called up if they unfortunately wouldn't have been injured, but it also means they don't have to taint the U S men's national team on them. So I think that's okay. But, uh, before I think we delve right into the nitty gritty of uh, the episode, shout out to Christian Casares Jr. for going to Copa America of Venezuela. Oh yes. Do us all proud, please. Um, (laughs) I guess, um, speaking of Christian Casares Jr., right, I think uh, this is a seeg into what I think was probably the finest game of his career, his finest hour and a half in a Red Bull uniform, right? Talking about this um, 2-1 victory over Orlando City, I think uh, that we got to see, I think at least, I think it's been a couple of weeks now, right? I think uh, the last... Uh, Red Bull game going into the international break. And I will say, I mean, like, uh, without goes without saying, I thought it was probably the most uh, complete team performance that we saw over a 90-minute period. And has to be such a shot in the arm, I think, going into the international break off the backs of that performance. Um, you know, I think uh, some eyebrows were raised, I think, at the starting, um, at the start. Right, I think um, I, I recall the sentiment back on uh, Twitter when the lineup dropped. People were just kind of like wondering, like, why, why, why is it that we're sticking with uh, you know Klimala Royer? And uh, you know, I mean, of course, uh, we, it was confirmed that Tom Edwards would be the emergency center back stepping in for this game. And then, despite a makeshift back line, we basically saw, I think, what was I think. Uh, probably the tightest defensive performance over a 90-minute period, right, against a team that had options going forward in attack and had various modes of uh, 
going at you, right? You kind of saw that Pareja had, was capable of switching up uh, the way his team played with the options that he brought off the bench, right? Bringing on Benji Mitchell and uh, eventually, I think, a Sylvester Van de Vata. I think um, later on in the game to go to become less of a possessive uh, side and to just become a lot more direct, right? Running at players with pace. And for the fact that this was a makeshift back line, stepping up, right, within the gap of uh, the gap left behind by losing your best center back for the rest of the season, you know, they dealt with those threats admirably, right? I mean, uh, there have been other teams that we've played that have posed even less of a threat, but... You know, I mean, I think uh, that's down to the uh, lack of general quality, right? I mean, like, I'll be honest, like, Chicago and Toronto are not good teams. <laughs> right. Chicago, I mean, uh, obviously, I think, um, seller of the East, and Toronto are coached by Chris Armis. So, uh, by natural, that's the way things are. You know, Orlando, yes, missing Nani, missing their best player so far, but they still had a bunch of other auxiliary options that they could go to in attack. And of course, I mean, uh, this was like the best defense in MLS, like coming into this game, right? Posting up uh, two goals uh, yeah. with some very dominant play while we had possession of the ball as well, right? I mean, uh, the press was relentless early on in the game. Uh, like, I think I saw Frankie Amaya especially was giving those guys fits, right, to start the game. They were just getting so flustered, like halfway through the first half, which I thought was just was a uh, pretty cool to see, you mm-hmm. know. <laughs> like, um, I think a few reports from the sidelines at the arena saying Pereja is like looking over to his coaches, not like not really sure like what to do to like, <laughs> deal with how relentless this press was. Their guys looking a lot. F- kind of flustered after a while and getting even more flustered as the game went on, right? I mean, I think it ended up uh, resulting in, uh, what's his name, Jackson Mendez, right? Getting getting subbed off for disciplinary issues, I think, um, halfway through the second half just because of how off their game they looked. I think it was uh, Jackson Mendez, right, that kind of uh, knocked off his game um, as a result of... Uh, the constant pressure that was being posed by the press and uh, picking up a yellow and being subbed off for precautionary reasons. I mean, I think it all goes to show um, the, the pressure, right? How relentless it was and how, and how, I don't know. I mean, like, uh, yeah, I mean, how, how relentless the pressure was all game. I mean, yeah, it I was. Think, um, yeah, yeah if, if it like you've said, the games against Chicago and Toronto were while good, they weren't against good teams. So I think the test was to see what, how we did against, you know, the upper echelons of this league. And for what we've seen, despite the losses against Sporting KC, uh, the Galaxy, uh, or uh, let's not talk about the Galaxy, but we can talk about like Sporting KC, we can talk about Philadelphia and New England. Um, those were all games that we were still in that we only lost by one goal, except for, you know, the one against New England, but we were also playing with 10 men. And to be fair, we were also, it looked like we were in that game for most of it as well. But um, this is the, against Orlando, this is the, what, what was it? They were at the time the second ranked team in the Eastern Conference final. Yeah. 
they had only conceded two goals all season long um, prior to this game. And it's not just that the press was running them into the ground, but it was, it was much that towards the end of that second, you know, basically up until they picked up a head of steam in the second half, like it was, it, uh, the team really like Orlando lost composure during it. Like you saw it in like the teams were getting frustrated. There were a lot of snippy fouls. You know, Mendez would have gotten sent off had he, had he still been on the field. Yeah. And I think uh, the most encouraging facet, obviously, is that was basically one-way traffic, right, from yeah. most of the game, you know. Yeah. And this was against the best defense in MLS, you know. I think uh, er- in the early going, you know, there were some, I think, rightfully justified maybe concerns, I would say mild concerns over the fact that, like, uh, you know, chances were s- chance creation was still a bit sporadic, I think to the opening five games of the season, but against New England and now against Orlando, right? You're starting to see the attacking movement really starting to coalesce. And you're starting to see more clear-cut chances being created as uh, the game goes on. You know, I think... um, You know, I think it's also really important to point out that this is still a team as well that's still missing quite a few options, right, in midfield, and especially at the back. And to see everybody, I think, uh, a bit lower on a depth chart, like just starting to show that they can contribute, right? Shows you that I think, you know, there's a level of depth to this team. Where even the depth pieces can, are capable of putting out performances that see a team performing at a high level, right? And I don't think we've seen that in quite a while. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I really don't know the last time that we've charted out like a makeshift back four like this and they put on an and they put on an airtight performance. I don't know yeah. the last it, time. We've... Maybe maybe like one of the New York City FC games with where Hassan and Dom was in the back line <laughs> or one of those games that we won where Carl Womet was in the back line. It was, it was like the U.S. Open Cup game, right? I think that's what it was for that. Maybe. Uh, yeah, Hassan um, and Dom came on. We saw a rare Joe Scally appearance. <laughs> Oh yeah, City. but I think I think with this game compared to like the game in Philly, like one of the biggest takeaways from that game is that we there, there was a chance to win that game and we didn't. Right, like the Philly team that we faced had played three games prior, and most of that starting eleven had played ninety minutes that game, and we just at the end of that game, even if we lost, we just felt like we we threw that chance away. And I think with Orlando, this is an Orlando team that, despite being a good team, they were missing their most impactful player in Nani. Um, I think they had started this kid Halliday at right back or right wing back who is like, I think that that might've been his first game. He's still in high school. Um, And that was, I think from what I was seeing from Orlando fans was that uh, Pareja kind of got the tactics wrong, that he got the lineup wrong. And part of what weakened the team was like those tactical decisions. And I'm happy that we sort of took advantage and we came out with three points at the end of this game yeah. because uh, we were seeing that an inability to do that uh, when the opportunity uh, presented itself in past games. Yeah, no, no, and I think that that's definitely another good point, right? And I think um, we took it, we took advantage of, I think, um, mismatches in the opponents' lineups. Yeah, you know, and I think, uh, and I think that that's a sign of. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I mean that's that's definitely something that could be used to encourage folks. I think uh, going forward. Um, let me think. Like, 
it's it's also not just the defensive side of the ball, right? I mean, I think you look at the uh, game on game improvement and the way that the balls, in the way that we look in possession. Uh, you know, I think uh, in this game particularly, and you're really starting to see a lot of the uh, quick vertical interplay, right? That's true. That's become Struber's like a calling card for most of his uh, teams, and was a calling card for Salzburg, I think, during the Marco Rose era. Like those really quick. Um, interchanges right in midfield that are basically aimed at just moving the ball up the field like as fast as possible but also like how good the understanding i think the guys are developing with the coming with spatial compression right i think i especially saw i thought the the, the the compressing on the left hand side of the field was especially good this game right i think uh, the way amaya was playing before he was injured uh, the way John Tolkien looked when he was pushing high up the field, pinching in with uh, Royer and uh, Amaya to just give Holiday like fits. You know, it was really interesting seeing that wrinkle in there, right? Like Struber was specifically targeting the weaknesses of a, a of an Orlando team that liked to play out the back and were playing a relatively inexperienced hand at both fullback positions, right? Seeing the press S being uh, switched up. They basically trigger when we were pushing the ball out into the wide channels with the fullbacks on the ball. You know, it's like these small tactical wrinkles uh, that are being increased. They're being executed by our guys to an increasingly um, high level, right? An increasingly competent level. You know, and I think um, that, that that was the story for me, right? And that's why I say it's complete team performance. You know, I think. Um, when this system works and when the team is working like that to just deny the passing channels as much as they did, right? Um, it's a, it's really, it's really fun to see in motion. <laughs> not, it's not a particularly deep take. And yeah. this is the first game I seen all season where we were manipulating space and Orlando were playing directly into our hands, right? Center channels were completely denied, so they would flush the ball out to their flush the ball out wide to their fullbacks, and that's when we would trigger the press, and that's when they'd pass backwards, and that's when we just pile the pressure on even more, you know. And and you know, I think uh, I I think I just really cannot wait to see like what this team's capable of once everybody's healthy, once everybody comes back from an international break, because if uh, this is what we did with a relatively banged-up lineup against uh, the second-best team in the Eastern Conference, albeit the second-best team missing some really good players as well. I mean, you know, I think... I wonder what we'll look like when we get the second bite of the cherry against New England later on this season. Mm-hmm. With everybody available. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Any other thoughts on the game? Anything come to mind? individual performances uh, or well uh hopefully we don't see kyle duncan at left back again because uh <laughs> john tolkien looks like uh he's uh he's got it yeah you know I not think just it... um i like i still think that andrew gutman gets the starting spot when he's healthy because i think he he brings a certain uh you know he's played more professional games and he brings a certain level of dynamism in that position that i don't know if tolkien can do quite yet but he seems like uh a very capable in that position like we're kind of like wondering like does he play like when he was coming through uh with rb2 we were wondering that seeing how he plays and how he can play fast but 
whether or not his space was sort of in a defensive center midfielder role or where he would stay at left back. But it looks like uh, by the nature of him being left-footed, we might see him uh, deputize in that position. Also, good set-piece delivery from that yeah. left back. I think that's one, co- like, Grootman's great, but uh, his crossing not been the best. And uh, reliably, uh, uh, my guy told J-Mai, as they would call him, can whip him in. Yeah, no, I mean, like, uh, that was that early chance for Sean Newless, right? Like, off the, that set piece that came off that absolutely wonderfully whipped cross that Gaese got a hand to. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, seeing him take most of our corners as well, right? I think some of the better deliveries uh, that we've uh, seen. Because uh, I think in some of those situations, the other guys in our team have a, like, t- have a tendency to, like, kind of float balls in. These were like yeah. whipped deliveries, you know, like with pace, there was precision, like, uh, and it wasn't like just a like bullet whip crosses either. Like there was some real wicked bend to them, you know, like, yeah, that's why it makes me wonder, like, what if, if you can put a cross like this, I wonder if you'd be able to take free kicks, but anyway, I might be getting a bit, a bit ahead of myself for that one. Um, but like you said, right, 18-year-old in his first uh, MLS match, coming off a bit of a stop-start season at Red Bull 2 of all the coronavirus, pen, with all the coronavirus, uh, what's that word? Disruptions, yeah, the coronavirus disruptions. You know, like, not looking overmatched by the occasion at all. And he had a very tricky defensive assignment, right, I think his first game, because uh, they, Orlando decided to deploy Mauricio Pereira, I think, on that wing. And, you know, I mean, he fought with him all game, didn't really put a foot wrong, didn't look overmatched at all, and even tried to drive the play forward on that left-hand side. You know, I think it's a very, very impressive performance for someone in their first MLS uh, game. Probably wouldn't have been able to uh, have told the difference at all. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think I, I, I just wanted to shout this out. You know, I think while we're in the topic of a standout defensive performers, and I mean, I think... Uh, one of the interesting things we're seeing, uh, Sean Nealis, right? I think uh, the most junior center back on the team, I think, uh, or at least, uh, f- yeah, for the last couple of years, be thrusted into this leadership role, right? And as a result of a need and playing alongside Tom Edwards, who is a fullback convert to center back, right? Who is a fullback by trade, playing emergency center back next to him. Seeing Nealis step up, um, take control of this back line and taking up organizational duties, right, at the back. You know, for someone who's still, I think, will probably be seeing his first full season of starter minutes in MLS, seeing that from Sean Nealis, I think, all 90 minutes, I, I, I really just can't commend that enough, you know. And that's why I think I wrote on OEM that he was, like, low-key my man at the match, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, Caceres basically goes and wins the game for us in the offensive side of things. But that result's not possible if uh, the back line doesn't put up a defensive performance like they put up against Orlando, right? You mean, um, and seeing Nilas take up that vocal, that much responsibility and leading a makeshift back line to the best team defensive performance, I think, over the course of the season. Like, like that, that, that's, that's hats off, you know, like I would clap 
on this podcast, but that will sound really funny on my microphone. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 So I'm not going to do that. So yeah, yeah when your I, center back core has been decimated by injury and by general unreliability, just one guy who's like, oh, okay, we don't have to worry about him at least. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I guess, you know, I guess Tom Edwards wasn't talking shit when he said he played center back at Fleetwood. It's the, it's the Joey Barton effect, you know. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be scenes when he shows up against Nashville and puts a cigar out in someone's eye. He was like, "Yeah, Joey taught me this trick too." <laughs> he also taught me to speak English in the French accent. <laughs> and then Florian Velo shows up and is like, "Yes, yes, yes, we, oui, we, oui, oui. his French accent is very good." <laughs> um. Yeah, you know, I think, yeah, so Sean Neelis, hats off. You know, mm-hmm. I had my skepticism going into the season, but I think you're starting to see him make a stake a very compelling case that he is at least MLS quality, you know, and good for him. You know, really, really good for him. Good for him. Good to see him making these uh, step up like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said, Kyle Duncan should stay on the right side. Much better game from him. Like, just keep it that way. Thanks. Just keep like, it that way. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Gerhard. Um, I'm concerned if, 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 if the move now is to keep playing Tom Edwards at center back, as opposed to have the headache of trying to choose between Edwards versus Duncan. Yeah. You know, and you know, I mean, I would hope that for the rest of the season that um, I think Edwards seems to me, still seems like a stopgap option to me. And I really hope that, I'm, and you know, I'm still kind of um, hesitant to really say that he's going to be like a, a full season long solution. I would still prefer if they managed to, to bring in someone from uh, the outside, perhaps to uh, fill mm-hmm. in that hole at center back. Because uh, a, I mean, Long's coming up on 30 and coming off a big egg Achilles injury, and you don't know whether or not he's going to come. He's going to be the same when he comes back. And that's quite. And that's just a simple fact of the truth. You know, Achilles injuries are not easy to shake off around the age of 30. So I think uh, it would be wise to bring in someone right at this point mm-hmm. to at least pre- prepare for a post-era long future. And, you know, and I, I doesn't want to do him a disservice or anything because he's done nothing but like give, you know, but he, because he's been such a star player for this side for the last couple of years. But it's true, right? No one lives forever. Nothing gold can stay. And you will eventually have to... Um, prepare for a future about Aaron Long. And you know, if an injury like that, naturally, if, it, if the smart thing the team would do would be to assume that the contingency plan's been brought up at least uh, one or two years, you know? And as good as Edwards was this game, like, I don't really think... I think it would be a waste of his um, talent on the, on the at fullback, right? For him to play a full season at center back. You know, yeah. even if he does look quite okay standing in there for now. Because, like, we got to unleash those crosses at some point, man. Like, I mean, please, Gerhard, please. I'm begging you. Like, I'm, I'm, begging I'm, you. I'm begging you again. Only 25 minutes into this episode, and I'm fucking begging you. Like, please, man. I just want to see him crossing in the boat to Fabio and Patrick Klimala, right? And I think this would probably bring me to the point where I complain about the strikers <laughs> <laughs> this episode because, man, like, uh, man, okay. I mean, okay. Royer, Royer was okay. I mean, Royer was all right. He was all right this game, but dude, Royer like... showed. Yeah, Royer showed why 
he's probably better off as uh, a uh, as a late game stuff. I don't know because now at the the we can also talk about you know the transfer stuff later, but you know we're one we're down one fewer striker now. Our striker core has pretty much been um, it's where it is right now because Brian White is gone to Vancouver. Yeah. And yeah. we've extended uh, Fabio's loan till the end of the season, so we know who's pretty much going to play striker for the rest of the season. And just based on this game from where I mean, he was fine to start off, but it was it was the Royer game you were expecting. But like around, I don't know, man. Like I think it was like the seventieth minute. I think basically it was the it was the ten minutes up until the Orlando goal, which I think was like in the eighty second minute. It was looking real like he just looked. Royer looked a step too slow and it was hurting us. Like, like you were just, again, begging, you were just begging the team to knock it out of place. We can get that sub in, but it's like, it's when he was on the ball, he was too slow. He was playing the ball too weak. And then when Fabio, I think there was a chance that Fabio had the ball and he got the ball into the box and he tried to play a cutback pass, but Royer couldn't get there. So he had to like play this weird angle cross come shot or, you know, the other way around. Um, But yeah, like again, uh, we, I think he's a better late game sub. I think he's he's better against tired legs. That his uh, his footballerism, yeah, uh, is better in those situations in those yeah. game states. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I mean, like I think everybody who was watching the game, I think on Twitter, like definitely picked that up as well. You know, I mean, around the seventy minute mark, the guy looked completely gassed, right? And as a result of that, it was resulting in some spatial deficiencies right space was opening up in orlando we started to look a bit more porous and you know i think it's stuff like that's the kind of highlights how much um a full effort over 90 minutes is needed <laughs> to maintain mm-hmm. um a proper shape you know and i agree right i mean like i think is like uh, like stop me if you've heard this one before with danny royer the off ball stuff looked really good the way he, <laughs> he manipulates space has always been his calling card but once he gets on the ball, it's where our attacks go to die, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, he's so much more effective off the ball than he is on the – as he is on. I have been, like, basically repeating this, I feel like, ad nauseum for, like, fucking four years now. <laughs> so I really yeah. don't want to go too much into it because I'm sure you've heard this spiel before. But, yeah, I mean, uh, especially now that we have two healthy options, right? available to us right like i mean it's not a matter of fitness or health with fabio and klimala like i would really think it would be fair to ask like why is it that we can't see him play together at least once just once that's all i'm asking for because um like you guys said right i think it's clear that royer is not an option for 90 and he shouldn't be an option for 90 i don't think i think there are other you should probably only really be coming in when space is opening up, like you mentioned. So I think yeah, that kind of does it for me um, with the strikers. Yeah. Actually, no, it doesn't really. I just wanted to shout out Patrick Klimala for a bit with that Slatan-esque touch and the assist for the opening goal. Like that was that was. Oh, the assist cool. is so good, man! Like yeah. the cross, it was like like I'm trying to put on like my my own soccer player brain, which is not very good, but yeah. <laughs> like I'm thinking like he gets that ball, he gets the turn, so he's facing the goal. And I think he takes an extra touch to get in space, but because like he was pretty much behind the defender when that cross was played and he just puts the right amount of like swaz on the ball to like get it between 
Like he doesn't get it too close to the goalkeeper. He doesn't get it too far uh, uh, close to the defender. He hits it right into that what what the English would call the corridor of uncertainty to get it to to good to get to Caden Clark. And man, just uh, again like a, a striker who knows how to strike the ball. Yeah, it's amazing, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like like I got nothing but love for Tom. For Brian White and Tom Barlow, but man, like those guys just don't seem like they know how to hit soccer balls properly. So <laughs> <laughs> it was like some hash like hit or some kind of scuff shot, like yeah, like 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 despite being strikers of the ball, right? Like you say, so now you have Fabio and now you have a uh, Klimala, right? Very who are, have at the very least better strike technique. But you know that you know I think that whole goal comes off what was very closely a broken play as well, right? I think uh, yeah, the cross kind of looked like it could have uh, if he doesn't bring it down with that kind of touch, like it's probably gonna go dribble out to like the left wing where it becomes a loose ball situation. But that touch was beautiful, set him on the path of glory. And of course, so when you look at the breakdown on the goal, you also got to shout out Royer for like the really nice run to like the near post he made to open up the space for the secondary mm-hmm. runner to move into. And, you know, and, and I think um, that's where it kind of shows, right? Like he's not chopped liver. He can contribute very small things, right? That opens up space for the rest of the team. But I think that that's the kind of thing that... Um, that kind of impedes other players on the team contributing, having more impactful moments over a larger period of game time, right? That's what it potentially impedes on. Not to say that Roy isn't useful. He definitely is. But I think you need to microdose Royer basically, (laughs) at this point of his career. So, um, yeah, I think that's where we are. Um, I guess one... Other standouts for me, you know, I think uh, Drew. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, you know, I think other people kind of thought that. I like what I saw once again from Drew Yearwood coming off the bench once Amaya got injured, right? But mm-hmm. Verdi praised Frankie Amaya for his role, I think, earlier this episode. But I think uh, Yearwood coming off once again, you know, I think the guy showing the defensive side of things, right? This game all the recoveries, being able to amount of ground that he covered. And it was kind of weird to see him kind of peter out after 60 minutes, I think, as a result of that. But, you know, I think uh, it's probably an indication as to why he's coming off the bench, I suppose. I guess the guy's really not capable of going more than 75 minutes mm-hmm. yet, which is kind of a head-scratcher. But I guess he did miss some time in preseason with the, that niggling little injury right i think um so um yeah i think that's yeah no i think uh i think now with casser is missing some time for copa america um you should be seeing him get some more game time going forward and i think it'd be well deserved you know definitely 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 well deserved he's played so well this season that like um that I think is warranted at least a look as to see what he can contribute for the full 90 minutes. So looking yeah. forward to that. Yeah. Hope to see and, if he, it, and he's not in a state where he can complete a 90 minutes. He starts and then you sort of see what are the looks after that? If we can't bring, you know, the ideas of bringing in like Wickelman Carmona or uh, 
Cameron Harper if they're ready. I don't know what Struber thinks, but we'll be missing a guy in midfield. And it, if Drew can't go 90, then those are options. Yeah, no, I think, um, you see, I think the, a lot of it's going to come down to like uh, the current long-term absentees coming back, right? You know what I mean? Like I can probably talk about Yuba Diara, but uh, coming back eventually, oh, but right. he's going to come back in a sense, in the same way that I think my dad's going to come back after slipping out for a pack of cigarettes at Milton <laughs> Corner Store at this point. So <laughs> not going to put that up to a certainty. Um Florian Velo would probably be another option, I think, uh, once he comes yeah, back from his knee surgery. And I do think he'd probably be a bit more suited to, like, the uh, Shuttler role, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Sean Davis obviously can step up there, but that would require someone else who'd be capable of playing the six. Um, but, you know, and I'll, but you know, ultimately, I'm not too plussed about our midfield because I think it is our deepest position by some distance. So... Um, so I think we should be, yeah, I mean, it's like you said, right? Like, I think um, be, it's going to be interesting to see what happens um, now that Caceres is a bit of an extended absence to go play with Venezuela. Um, yeah. I think that's the cool thing about this team, though. Because, like, uh, we have a whole bunch of very flexible midfield options. Uh, so in a way, all of our top line like are providing depth for each other, and they're supported by a core of uh, midfielders who are also capable of providing depth for each other. Mm-hmm. You know, like there are a lot of different configurations, a lot of different looks that I think uh, it, it's a it's a good sign that I think uh, we don't really need to that we don't feel so nervous about our midfield position as much as we were last year. Right, we were talking about the general lack of quality. That we had a long quality there, but mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I think uh, that does uh, kind of wraps up everything that I wanted to say. I think about Orlando and this game. So I think we'll. Do just we want to talk about Christian Casares' goal? Oh, this was like the first goal off a direct free kick for like over five years, right? Yes. Um, I mean. What else to say that hasn't already been said, right? Like, that was a... <laughs> Could you believe your eyes? <laughs> Pigs have flown. Um... I couldn't believe it when I saw it. I'm like, wait a minute, that ball went in. <laughs> like, we did it? it like, you know the the ending of Pokemon X and Y, where it's like, it's been 3,000 years. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's basically... And even then, like, the last free kicks that we've scored off of, they were not very, they were not as satisfying because I think deflections took them in. Like the Felipe one against Orlando was like the last one that like beats the wall and beats the goalkeeper. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the last time we scored a goal, a free kick goal against Orlando, I think they were trying to figure out how to succeed Tally Hall. So that's where we are in this oh. timeline, <laughs> folks. <laughs> oh, what what a what a wild long journey it's been, right? Trying to trying to replace uh, your goalkeeper who retired to become a police officer. <laughs> what a what an interesting career choice. Anyway, <laughs> um, I I think I realize our Venezuelan kids are just capable of just hitting like the ball so well. You know, like I think Wickleman Corona has been kind of been known as like a free kick merchant as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, one can do it with the right foot and the other can do it with the left. 
Which one is they it just, gonna... They just grew up watching Juan Arango highlights of him just scoring <laughs> glassos in yeah. the Bundesliga. <laughs> they, they, maybe every once in a while they can combine uh, like they do in Dragon Ball Z, right? And they become like the ultimate free kick taker as a result of that. Or they do the Captain Tsubasa where they both kick the ball at the same time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the ball does like the Roberto Carlos like uh, <laughs> bend. Oh my God. That would be that would be something. So please get on it. I want I want to see my uh, I want to see the they they call it Supra Campeones, right? I think in uh, Latin America, the Captain Maybe, Supas, yeah. the Spanish dub. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> would love to see that shit. I also found out that the English dub has Supasa Ozora like uh, translated to Oliver Adam, which I think fucking sucks. Oh, what? Yeah, like I think England should be banned. Oh, God. To say. It's not coming home. It should. It should, in fact, go to the bin. Um, <laughs> Man. Yeah. Anyway, that's that's enough for now. Uh, let's just move on to stocks real quick. I think uh, just um, just to uh, I think round out Orlando chat and get into this uh, new exciting segment that you have prepared for us actually mm-hmm. um, right after this. So um, yeah, so stock ups. I'll give to the entire backline. For obvious reasons, uh, big stock up to uh, Christian Casares Jr. I think I've been we've been a bit harsh on him on this podcast. Uh, I think to start the season, but you know, I mean, after a performance like that, you know, quietly delting the haters, and he deserves some, you know, definitely some praise for that performance that he put out. Right, definitely want to see the guy succeed and put doubters to bed. You know, like that's the thing. Like I don't mind being wrong if the player warrants it, right? The, the play is definite. The play against Orlando definitely warranted it. So good to see that from him. Well done. Uh, final stock up. Mm, okay, I can give a stock up to. I'll give a stock up to. Klimala, I think. No, actually, no. I'll give a stock up to Gerhard Struber. I think. Uh, team, you know, against uh, when you finally have a game that you can analyze about some stupid shenanigans like uh, messing things up, right? You're starting to see you know, once again the week on week improvement, you know, uh, the way that the, that the team executes. So, uh, yeah, I think it's really coming along very well under Schuber. Uh, stock down, I will give to. I don't think anyone really deserves a stock down. Actually, and I don't really feel like uh, it's a bit too early for me to give silly joke stock downs because <laughs> I can't really think of anyone who's earned my ire. Uh, oh yeah, maybe stock down to uh, stock down to the guy who slapped Emmanuel Macron actually because I found out that he was a French royalist. Yeah, he, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Someone was like, uh, "He's a LARPer who lives at home with his mother," and I'm like, "Okay." And then I found out he was a royalist. I'm like, oh boy, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> the guy who at first I was like, wow, a guy who has hobbies, and you're and you're telling me that someone who lives in continental Europe lives in a generational household. Wow, big yeah. surprise. Who and doesn't that... live with their parents in Europe? <laughs> then he turned out to be a to be someone who was trying to revive the Bourbon family and be like, okay, oh, actually, God. I think you can die. <laughs> actually, cool. go straight to jail. It was like my friend, my friend, they, my friend. Do you not remember the guillotines and who you put there? <laughs> he just slapped Macron. It's like you think you are the Sun King? No. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's it. I don't know. I'm not going to give a stock down to anyone. I don't think it really warrants it. Yeah. 
All right. So uh, I think for me, I think I agree with your stocks up. Uh, I will give an additional stock up. Caden Clark, now that he's he's 18 years old, he is an old man, and he's discovered that it's easier to score goals when you're right in front of the goal, and you can just tap it in rather than scoring golassos every single time. Uh, so he's presence. adding an extra... <laughs> yes. He's, uh, <laughs> he's learned that dimension to his game. <laughs> he's... For my for, for for my next trick on my nineteenth birthday, I will literally become Chris Wondolowski. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll learn to hit it with my head. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think I only have one stock down, and that is to the the MSG director who prevented us from watching the goal happen in real time. Christian Casares' free kick goal in real time. I I was so upset by that. It was because I know because it was the clip. It was uh, Orlando had a guy behind, like laying down behind the wall, and then and then uh, Shep was talking about how how much of a novelty that was, and so they zoomed in onto the wall. And the first thing, and you didn't see Christian Casares kick the ball. What you saw was just uh, the crotches of a bunch of Orlando players, and it was real, real poor uh, TV directing. Yeah, I mean, I didn't want to see uh, Jackson Mendez's dick, my friend. No, like. What's up with that, bro? It's just like the timing was also so bad because I remember like the goal, the, the referee blew the whistle and uh, Christian Caceres, like he didn't he didn't go up to kick right away. I think it was just like he kind of took a second, but eyes on the prize, guys. Keep and your eye on the ball. That's the deal. I mean, like I know it's been years since we scored off a direct free kick, but you, all, you, yeah. you, you guys don't need to do that shit, right? You always got to be prepared for the... <laughs> For the yeah. occasion. <laughs> and you know what? And you know the thing is, because they have multiple cameras going, so it's not really just like one camera, right? They have multiple cameras filming it, and you just flip from one to the other, which means that the, the real-time footage of the goal exists somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the team posted it on social media right after, right? That right, they got really one angle, I think. but not, like, Yeah, the long yeah. angle. Man. Of all the angles to miss. Seriously. It was such a nice moment as well because you ran over to his dad in the corner to go celebrate with him. Ruined. Yeah. Maybe the Caceres family is uh, broken because of MSG. Broken because of him. Uh, Christian Caceres Sr., uh, D- Dominican Republic uh, League football legend. <laughs> I watched one of his goals. He was like 40 years old and he hits a volley at the top of the box. I'm like, oh, okay, I see where he gets it from. <laughs> Because his dad's a striker, if I'm not mistaken, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, like, like kind of a very well-known guy as well, so. Hmm. Yeah, he so. played, I think he was on the team, he was on, I want to, like, he's played for the Venezuelan Nationals. He might have been on the Copa America team in 2007 when they hosted the tournament, maybe. Uh, I mean, he's been playing for such a fucking long time that I <laughs> It's such like, a long uh, time. I mean, like, holy shit, like... <laughs> Uh, I'm on Wikipedia right now trying to look this up, and uh, I just wanted to point out, everyone, that today's featured picture is uh, Dich Kwang Duk, which is the guy who set himself on fire Oh Jesus! for God. that Rage, Rage Against the Machine album cover. Yeah, I mean, it was for other shoot. reasons, but, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, among we other judge, reasons. That's how, that's how I felt uh, before Chris Arbus was fired. Like, in the <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, so actually, he was in three Copa America squads, 1999, 2001, and 2004. So there you go. So oh, like father, okay. like son. Congratulations. Wow. Congratulations. Congratulations to the family. Um, yeah. Wait, is he still playing in the DR? That's crazy. His uh, Wikipedia article says is, so he's probably still playing somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's impressive. He's 43 years old. He plays for Metropolitanos in Venezuela. 
So ah, right. son plays for New York Red Bulls, dad plays for yeah. Metro and Venezuela. It's kind of yeah, cool. He was just in the DR for before then. Yeah, wow. Okay. That's pretty cool. That's cool. Uh, anyway, enough uh, Caceres family gossip. Let's go through transfer news real fast. I think um, just before we move into this next segment that we have prepared for you guys. Because, uh, yeah, movements in the striker corps uh, this uh, week. We said goodbye to a good old friend and we said hello to a, uh, well, maybe not hello because he's already here. But um, we, we said we, Benvindo. We, <laughs> we said uh, thank you for extending your stay with Holiday Inn. Sure. <laughs> To a, to, a, to a new friend of ours, right? So, obviously, big news, of course. Uh, 400,000 smackaroos of Garber Bucks, right? For yeah. Brian White, who moves to the Vancouver Whitecaps. And Fabio is extended until the end of the season with an option to buy. You know, I think uh, both, for varying reasons, are completely sensible moves. You know, I mean, uh, not to knock against White or anything, but... Anytime uh, someone comes with an offer like that, I mean, like you, you'd be pretty silly to say say no. I think because that's yeah. a pretty those are pretty good returns, and I think uh, it sets us up for I think uh, to bring in someone else. Hopefully, like there's a good asset, like a accumulating more assets to maybe make another move to shore up the team elsewhere. Uh, and of course, I think that's what kind of leads into the Fabio loan extension as well, right? Because you maintain a level of roster flexibility. Uh, you don't really need to commit too much cap space or cap room to somebody. Because um, I think Fabio would probably need to take a DP designation, right? And it's going to eat up quite a lot of cap room. And you have a lot of yeah. cap coming off of the. Uh, you have a lot of cap coming off at the end of the season anyway, right? Because some really pricey contracts are are expiring. So. You know, I think, yeah, loan of an option to buy like uh, allows us to keep him while maintaining a lot of flexibility to help the team elsewhere. So, you know, I think uh, the FO definitely big ups on that one. Two pretty Kevin good Kevin Thalwell masterclass. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, I mean, like 400, 400K for a draft pick is 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 very impressive. Like, you know, we, we think of, because he's from Jersey and he played for the, uh, I think for the development team, we, we think of him as a homegrown, but he's not a homegrown. So for a guy we drafted, that kind of money, um, you think Vancouver was like, oh, 400,000 Canadian dollars? No problem. Nope. And it's like, wait. <laughs> <laughs> and then they, they get the, they, they, they convert the currents like, oh, wait a minute. Wait, 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 did you, wait, did you clear the funds out the Canada bank account or the U.S. bank account? <laughs> That a city, <laughs> the beam the BMO account <laughs> notification from Citibank US your fund transfer has gone through oh fuck <laughs> oh no uh, but yeah this I think it's a good time he was on I think his contract was real big for a guy who wasn't uh, a first choice striker um, it looked like and I think he what he had sixteen league goals in fifty one games it's not a bad return for a guy yeah. um, for the minutes he's played so. I think I think he'll play at Vancouver. I like I forget who the, who's the strikers they have, but uh, yeah, man, well, yeah, they are such a completely anonymous team. You know, I only knew Adnan Ali because of the AFC connections, but right, like, like I literally wouldn't be able to name anyone else on that team. Yeah, they're they're just out of the playoff spot in <laughs> the west. No, actually, hold on, they're tenth in the west. So a couple spaces off the playoff spot. Um, yeah, it's uh, 
they have what's it called? They have Toussaint Ricketts, they have Lucas Cavallini, oh, the little f- horse, and they have uh and then they have a bunch of randos. Maxime Crepo. Oh my Maxime god. Maxime Crepo. Jesus Christ, this is grim. Okay, uh, this is scary. I'm not looking at it. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Just kind of uh Russ Tybert is still there. Um, but a bunch of kind of uh some randos, not randos, but you know, just a bunch of guys. No, like, I, oh. think, I think it would be safe to call them randos. No, they are randos more so than like the. I looked up the roster to Nashville, and uh, it's the other opposite of randos, where it's like uh, they're they're an Ur expansion team, where like you look at the roster and like, oh, that guy. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, like like you said, right? Expansion team, you can at least kind of like justify having a roster composition like this, but. Vancouver have been Vancouver at one point were the best team in the West circa 2015. Like what the yeah, fuck? it was super weird. Jesus Christ! Like this is terrifying. I I yeah. I, I I would never want to be in a position where we are like this, <laughs> where you're desperate for you're willing to shell out 400k for Ryan so White. many Canadian players. <laughs> Oh fuck? yeah, it's all like homegrown Canadian players as well. Like it's like I've been transported back to like the original early half of like uh, uh, the MLS Canadian expansion where they only had where the domestic rules were that they could only like play domestic Canadians. That counted like as like Terry Dunfield, players. Terry yeah. Dunfield playing thirty games a season. Yeah, next to Jermaine Defoe and fuck shit like that. You know, like, oh, like oh my god. But yeah, like you said, four hundred k for uh, for returns in a draft pick. I mean, like. Those that's pretty. It'd be kind of silly to say no, uh, yeah. let alone I think uh, I think he's been kind of uh, looking a bit more incongruous. I think in context with the way that Gerhard Schuber wants to play, mm-hmm. right? Because I think definitely looks like a guy who kind of excels more in lone striker situations as like a deep lying forward. I can yeah. bring uh, the rest of the midfield into play, and uh, now that we just don't really do that, right? Because our strikers are expected to uh, stretch opposition back lines a bit more. Um, I think uh, you know you you could kind of see a move like this happening, and you know, I mean, mm-hmm. I think um, you know it sucks losing him because I think he 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 definitely endeared himself to a lot of fans right uh, those uh, scrappy pop-up goals that he'd score every now and then yeah but you know i mean i think it'd be a, it's a good move for him to kind of try and establish a starting role elsewhere in mls and uh you know i think without that being said you know i mean you know i think you really i gotta just gotta wish him all the best at this point so have fun in vancouver yeah. uh enjoy the what, if, uh, what do you what... What do you think? Uh, do you think Thelwell was like uh, telling Vancouver, "You're not just getting a striker; you're also getting a backup goalkeeper." <laughs> was it a goal, an assist, and a and a save, save in one game? The first yeah. uh, American soccer player to do so. Just eat that shit, Gordy Howe! You fucking yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, nah. He'll he'll forever have that. Other teams. Uh, you can stick your MLS cup up your ass. Like you'll never have a individual stats like that. I'll tell you what, now, since John O'Shea, I've seen someone like put put, a, put in a shift. Yeah, like that. <laughs> he he actually ha- he had more get. I think he scored more goals for the first team that he did for RB two, which is kind of impressive. Because he came up relatively quick, right? I think yeah. he got called up halfway through his maiden season. I think uh, we were mm-hmm. able to, and then immediately scored on his debut. So right, yeah, it was cool. 
So yeah, thanks, Brian. Have fun in Canada. Uh, we wish you all the best. Top marks for not trying. I just keep singing that Arctic Monkey song to my head. I've uh, sent off too many strikers of Arms of the Angels, so I'm uh, trying to think of new songs that I can use. <laughs> maybe maybe I'll use Bakamitai. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's move on to the segment that we have prepared for this episode, seeing as how it, we are in the dregs of the international break. And we're going to try something new. That's right. The spirit of innovation, as Elon Musk, corporate sponsor, would tell us. <laughs> <laughs> I, I basically said that uh, I wanted to be the first podcast to record on Mars. And he said, cool, cool, bro. Give me a sec. <laughs> like, so, yeah. Uh, very exciting things happening on MetroFan TV in the near future. Um, but until that happens, we have a new segment called off topic. And in this first iteration of off topic, Juan, please share with us. What do you have for us? Oh yeah. This idea came to me, uh, in the the past couple of weeks, I was thinking if I, if I, if I imagined what my ideal, like we've thought about like, what's the, what's, what's our best 11 of this team history. You can go to Metro fanatic and they can give you like the Metro, uh, the best, 11s of uh team history but also of the particular um eras uh for this team but i'm thinking oh who would be my fantasy five aside like what's a good like fantasy five aside for a team so i'm thinking uh why not pose that question uh to you to fernando as well but to to red bull twitter to everyone who listens to this podcast of who is your metro fantasy five aside so when this episode drops we will have a graphic up in the tweet with the episode and you'll see it around uh, RBNY Twitter um, to tell you the rules because I'm trying to think of constructing a, your ideal uh, five aside of players from this team's history. So the rules are basically you can pick any five players from Metro stars, RBNY history, but, and here's some stipulations to, uh, uh, to make your picks really count and to complicate things and uh, to not make it the same team for everyone uh, in this fan base. So, again, you can pick any five players from Metro Stars, RBNY history, but you cannot pick more than one player from each Shield-winning team. So that's you cannot pick a player from more than two players from the 2013 roster, the 2015 roster, and the 2018 roster. Some of you're wondering, well, aren't there aren't there players who are uh, who are in more than one shield winning team? Yes, Patrick Haddad, you are correct. I did think about this, but <laughs> those players are Bradley Wright Phillips, who was on three shield winning teams, Luis Robles, who was also on three shield winning teams, Kimar Lawrence on two teams, Sean Davis on two teams. So out of those players, you can only pick two out of those four players. So no more than one player from each shield team, except for. You have BWP, Robles, Taxi, Sean Davis, of which you can only pick two. In the graphic that we're going to post, we will also have uh, three pots of four players, which are totally optional. But if you are picking from players who are listed in these pots, you cannot pick more than one player from each pot. It seems complicated, but once you think about it, it makes sense. The whole idea was when I was thinking about my ideal fantasy five, I was like, oh yeah, Thierry Henry, Kaku, Mike Grell, and I'm just like, that's way too easy. Everyone's gonna pick that. Yeah. So, uh, just to make things complicated, uh, 
I set I set up those rules with the shield teams and I set up these pots. So you'll see it in the graphic, but pot A is, like I said, Thierry Henry, Kaku, Mike Grella, and Tim Howard. Pot B is Tab Ramos, Amadou Guevara, Roberto Donadoni, Tony Miola. Pot C, Clint Mathis, Yori Jorkaev, Anthony de Avila, and John Conway. So again, pick any five players, no more than one player from each shield team. If they are, if it's from BWP, Luis Robles, Kimar Lawrence Davis, you can only pick two of that group. And then uh, no more than one player from each of these pots. So you don't have to pick any. That, so like, that's my biggest thing is that the pots are optional. You don't have to pick any player from any of these pots. But if you are, you can pick a maximum of three. You can pick a two if you want. You can pick one. You don't have to pick any. But this is just so not everyone has the same team. Oh, man. Okay, so we really got to bust out the deep crates here, huh? Yeah, I just want I just want to make sure I just want to see how how good this fan base is at remembering dudes. <laughs> so I guess uh, it's up to me and you to name our uh, starting five. I guess player by player, right? So yeah. uh, assuming that I am the GM right now, pick number one, Salzizo. Oh, nice! <laughs> <laughs> Great pick. Look, it's easy, you guys. I mean, like, uh, it's one thing to have, like, five guys on the field, but what if you had ten guys on the field on a five-a-side yeah. game, right? He's a whole team in one. And jokes aside, I mean, like, this would actually would have been a really good pick if it was, like, pre-ACL Terracelzizo as well. So, you know, you may think it's a joke on the surface, but it's, you know, like, I, I seriously think if you could restore him to his pre-ACL ways, like, this would actually be a pretty fucking good pick, so... Mm-hmm. probably doesn't end up as like a utility man on a Red Bull team if he doesn't tear his ACL to be honest with the way that he, yeah. is, he was playing in Germany at one point so yeah so I'll throw the ball over to you as your number one draft pick so my so number one on my team sheet or do you do you want to name the full five or do you want to oh we'll, 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 go, we'll go blow by blow we'll go blow by okay. blow yeah okay so number one written in permanent marker on this team sheet is Thierry Henry. Uh, I like I first started watching soccer in 2006, so I, I grew up watching those Joga Bonito videos, and that one where Thierry Henry is playing the street soccer, and you have Eric Cantona being like, "In the streets, you cannot hide behind the referee." And Thierry just calling <laughs> out like that is that is like I've been you know you know how like how many afternoons I spent trying to copy those moves and just not doing it. The one move I couldn't. I couldn't fathom how to do is the one where like he has the ball behind the goal the line fucking and he back heel it. flick, right? Yeah, he like, just scuffs it off the line and that? so it bounces. Man, holy what shit! What a cool guy! Like everybody in the schoolyard wanted to do that when that commercial like went live. They were like, "How the fuck did Henri do that on, on yeah. concrete, nonetheless?" Right. <laughs> Man. But my favorite part of that commercial is how Cantona subs him himself in in shirt and jeans oh, yeah. to play around like right <laughs> at the end. Like that's a ball. That's a big baller move. Oh I mean, man, what a good commercial, man! The the the, the best commercials were launched in like the late '90s and early 2000s, as far as I'm concerned. When it oh, comes to man. Nike and Adidas football, like just absolute banger yeah. after banger. Incredible! Yeah. The best music, just the best visuals, the best vibes, just the best vibes. Just just just, just not a cell phone in sight, just vibes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. Pick number two. Uh, yeah, you know, I think <laughs> the Zizo pick was cute. Uh, I will take Yuri Jorkaev, actually. Oh, nice. You know, and honestly, I mean, not every day that you can pick up a World Cup winner. 
uh, I think obviously, you know, Henri will it'll take uh, the uh, plaudits as like being the 98 World Cup winner from France that everybody knows. But I mean, you know, despite a relatively underwhelming, uh, you know, career here, like you have to remember that this is Yuri Jorkaev we're talking about, right? Yeah. Like at, in, in his day, like one of the most inventive, creative midfielders of his generation, right? Great touch, great vision, managed to shield the ball. So, I mean, uh, I know I think that was a point, like, until uh, Zidane, like, came up. Like, he was, was, like, the classiest French midfielder of his generation, right? So, if I can't pick Zizou, I'm going to pick Jordi Jorkaev. So, yeah. Oh, there's, like, a whole generation of French players that you are just, like, absolutely, like, probably, like, nasty players on the street. Yeah. And I think that's what Jorkaev was, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Definitely. Streets of Marseille have just produced so many great players. But anyway, I'm not going to get into a scuffed posting about France. <laughs> uh, yeah. Pick number two for you, sir. Pick number two for me. <clears throat> um, so I was thinking of like, I'm not just picking like my five favorite players. We're going to think of like, who would make a good, uh, who would make a good uh, five-a-side team? Like for the needs of a five-a-side team. And uh, like from what was reminding me when I was playing yesterday, it was, it's a lot of quick two touch passes. So I'm thinking if I can pick uh, a player that would be good, I think Sean Davis would be in that spot. I think Sean Davis has proven that you could just uh, really, he can play really fast and you play that two touch. He doesn't need to be shining. He doesn't need to be the star of that team, but uh, he moves that ball really well. And he can offer defensive solidity in this team. So I don't have to pick a defender but I can pick a guy who can sort of play that side of the ball. All right, this is the part where I unveil my evil plan for number three because that's kind of alongside my line of thinking when it comes to five aside, right? But uh, mm-hmm. it's one thing to have a one player, like a whole team built in one player like Salzizo, but it's another to have a player who is literally capable of like covering the amount of uh, defense, the amount of turf that a five aside team will need. And you know, if it's five aside of cages, especially like you know, there's going to be a lot of loose ball situations that you need to fight on. And somebody who has a constant motor to like constantly go after them and harangue opposing players is going to be vital. And that is why I pick number three for me is none other than Mr. Tyler Adams. Yes, Ooh, nice. And I mean, I think uh, you know, I think if anybody who's played indoor soccer to some degree of form, like the guy who literally runs around everywhere fighting for every ball, is like the fucking MVP on the team, right? Especially if that, he wins that, everything back. So that absolutely kills you. Yeah. So yeah, Tyler Adams, number three. Yeah, one of the worst experiences playing five aside was playing uh, uh, playing against a bunch of teenagers and not understanding what my level of fitness was at. Oh boy. <laughs> It's so demoralizing, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, pick number three for you. Pick number three. Um, I guess with the five aside, I think I'm not I'm not necessarily for rangy guys, but I guy I want guys who can be confident on the ball, uh, who are good dribblers. And I think for me, Tab Ramos is is that level of guys. So like of trying to think of like different eras of this team. My shout goes to Tab Ramos. Very classy midfielder. Very good dribbler on the ball. Um, can pick out a pass, uh, but knows what to do when he when it's in his feet. I guess uh, if we're going for big time flair players here, right, and this is where I really bust out the old head hat, and uh, this is where I take Clint Mathis. 
Oh, nice. Basically, like this is this is my whole team is basically like, oh, what if these guys were were good their whole careers, like they were at a certain point in their t- <laughs> like they were at a certain point in time, right? I mean, I think uh, if you have like 2007 Salzizo next to like 2002 Clint Mathis, like I think that's devastation, to be honest. <laughs> And with Tyler Adams like funneling everything up at the back, oh boy, oh yeah. Where did Clint Mathis play in Germany? Was it Hanover? Were they both at Hanover? Not uh, at the same time, but like they both were at Hanover, right? Uh, let me see. I think I believe yeah, Hanover '96, and then he uh, went back to RSL. Yeah, and then Sal Ziza was also at Hanover. Man, something about Hanover. Do you think? Wait, oh man! Do you think Clint Mathis played like one twos up the field with with Steve Chirondolo? <laughs> I'm sure they did. I mean, Chirondolo was there for a really long as for, time was forever. He? Yeah, I mean, like he basically his whole career was was in Germany. If I'm not the mistaken. mayor of Hanover. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I think that's where. I, so where I'm at, I'm at, I'm at four right. So I had a I. <laughs> Zizo, Jorkaev, Adams, and Mathis. So I think uh, I have like 20 players on the field right now. That's sick. (laughs) (laughs) Back to you. All right. Pick number four for me. Uh, Again, uh, so I was playing uh, pickup soccer uh, in Manhattan in uh, around 108th Street in Riverside Park on the turf fields there. And... um, Part of me thought, you know who probably else played in fields similar like this, like the turf fields of New York City, playing quick, short-sided, uh, five-a-side soccer? Uh, Omir Fernandez. I thought you were going to mention. This is where you're going to mention Alex Mule for a while. <laughs> oh yeah, I thought about Alex Mule, but I'm like, oh, Omir Fernandez is probably like that. Kind of, like I think because he lived in Harlem too, so I think uh, he's probably closer to those fields. Um, but yeah, you watch him play now. And uh, he, he, that dude, that he's def, he'd probably definitely be at home playing on those fields. I just know it. Hmm. You know, I'm trying to think about who's going to round us out, and I realize that I, I, I basically don't have anyone playing, playing in goal. Yeah, you uh, like... need a goalkeeper. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, man. Um. I guess that's what we were both saving the last uh, pick for, right? So yeah, and I think about five aside goalkeepers. It's all about pure shot stopping, right? I think mm-hmm. uh, the for the you don't need to really be as good in the air. You just need to be big, imposing, and be able to make big ass quick stops. And that's why you know I think distribution probably not going to be as important. But unfortunately, right. I cannot take Luis Robles because like uh, you know I've already uh, cast my die some of these so i'm actually gonna take a new face on the block and i'm gonna choose coronel actually to be my goalkeeper mm. on my side side just simply because i think like the blinding reflexes and i think uh, some of the distro would be really really useful in context of this so not only yeah. can he come off the line to play sweeper keeper in case tyler adams can't sweep everything up but he's also going to be able to like play like quick counterattacks to streaking clint mathis and salzizo is yeah. that that really clean distro? I mean, I really do think that, like, uh, in that sense, like his distro and his his distro is like one of the highest levels I've seen of any goalkeeper that's set foot here at Ripple. So if he really adapts to the league even more, I think like you could really have a real real good gem in his hands. You know, some silly mistakes aside. So yeah, 
<clears throat> I think. All right. So my pick. Uh, were you were you say were you about to say something? Oh yeah, no, yeah. And that's why I think I would probably choose him as a, my choice to go and goal for this sure. five aside team. Yeah. Uh, okay. So my pick. So originally I had Tony Miola because I was going to jokingly say that a small sided goal is small and he would take up most of the space in the goal because <laughs> he's a big guy. But uh, part of me, when I was playing on the fields yesterday, for the same reason that Omir Fernandez probably played on those fields, uh, I thought, you know who else would have played on these fields is uh, Buna Kondul uh, because he, uh, he grew up in New York City and he played at MLK High School um in the upper west side right around the corner from where i went to college and i know that because they actually do play their high school games in riverside park so buna Kandul also probably would be at home on those fields and obviously you need a guy with good bands like you need that guy yeah and while thierry Henry has good bands uh sometimes he can turn it on and off but buna whole time men just bands all day just bands the entire <laughs> you need good vibes it's not just about <laughs> scoring these goals it's, it's just about you know you need guys who can keep it light. Otherwise, guys start shouting at each other. And then it's not fun anymore. Yeah, he is the epitome of like a... <laughs> it's Buna time. <laughs> a goalkeeper whose outcomes are entirely determined by random number generator is Buna Kondul. <laughs> like, uh, I guess we'll do a couple honorable mentions, I guess. Just oh, to yeah. round out the section. Because I think uh, you do need some subs, right? A couple rolling subs, I think, would be fair. Uh, mm-hmm. not everybody has to give rolling subs, obviously, but you know, I think a couple players that I was considering like taking to come on, uh, to switch things up. I'll actually call Adolfo Valencia off the bench. Mm. El Tren, right? Cause what's uh, better than uh, being battered by a really fast, tricky front line is if you take this big physical force of nature off the bench, right? Like th- that has to be so demoralizing. <laughs> Win everything in the air, hold the ball up, like just force play of like being being strong and fast. Like what else could you possibly need, right? In context, the five aside that can be very useful because basically like big battering ram type players can mm-hmm. you know they have a use. Um, my other honorable mention, uh, I'm a bit thin on defense right now. I realize so I'm gonna have to pull someone in off the bench to help cover up for that and i think gonna go way off the beaten track with this one but if we're talking about players and how they looked prior to an injury who would probably be available off the bench and would be happy backing things up gideon ba Ooh, yeah I'm I'm yeah. actually serious about this one. Like, uh, you know, I mean, I I watched him play in the flesh, and he before his before his legs blew up, uh, he was pretty good. Yeah, right. Like the amount of amount of ground that he covered back in the day, right? He was capable of covering and capable of silting the ball. I mean, like even against Toronto, he looked really really good in his debut. Before he, he had one moment shirt. against Toronto where like the ball kind of coughed up, and he kind of like. <laughs> takes the control and then he just rips the volley towards goal and like whoa <laughs> you yeah. got that in your locker my guy <laughs> really what could have been if he didn't lose like that whole year of his career because Dennis Hamlet didn't understand how like the season ending injury list worked. <laughs> yeah. But Dennis it's like literally in the name of like the mechanism it's season ending injury. <laughs> like what the mm-hmm. fuck? Oh man. He really got hard done by so yeah, I don't know. It could have been it could have been very different. 
I mean, he just got called up with the Ghana national team as well before he signed with us. So, you know, I mean, I really yeah. do feel bad for the fact that things didn't really work out well for him. So, yeah, emergency center back off the bench. I'll take Gideon Ba. Thank you. Any, any honorable mentions for you? or? Oh, so you, we want one honorable mention? Maybe. I mean, uh, you don't okay. have to if you don't want to. But, yeah. Let me think, because I'm trying to think of – I'm also light – on defense so i'm trying to think if i would have to get like one defender on this team um let's see just a no-nonsense defender uh maybe seth stamler i think he would be a good a good option proto zizo proto zizo seth stamler maybe or like i'm trying to go between of like ball playing center backs and obviously i can't pick aaron long who would be like if there were no rules, this is who goes in this team. But maybe, probably Seth Stamler, just <laughs> in terms of defensive presence, because he also played like defensive midfield aside from being like a center back. Um, other than that, my other option would be Eddie Pope, and I'm like Eddie Pope. He's a DC United guy, but he did play for the team, and he was very good for him. Yeah, I mean, other like, than you, that you could have. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like I think the choice for other people would probably be Dero if we we're going along those lines, right? But, you know, I mean, we don't need oh, to Oh, yeah, Dero would be a guy. Dwayne Dero. I completely I'm... forgot about Dwayne De Rosario on this team. <laughs> but, yeah, he was – that's probably another guy. I don't know what, what the streets of Canada are like in Toronto of, like, five-a-side, but there's probably some, like, absolutely nasty dudes out there. No, yeah, definitely. I mean, like, every big city is going to have, like, the nastiest ballers playing in the street, dude. <laughs> <laughs> some more so than others but there are guys even like uh here in singapore who like it just randomly come on and I'm like holy fuck like what like what the hell <laughs> like <laughs> yeah um yeah it's tough picking like defenders because like at a certain point you end up like finding cloggers and maybe is that what you want or do you want guys who can uh yeah, like, a little, who are a little more silky. Yeah, the su- the sweet spot for me is mobile defender, right? Like mobile enough to yeah. cover a lot of ground because I think that's still really important five aside, and you're willing to put in a really big shift. Oh, I think uh, I I just realized one uh, way off the beaten to uh, around out the segment. I guess one way off the beaten track option. Mm-hmm. Lucas Stouffer, U.S. <laughs> <laughs> U.S. Men's. National futsal team representative Lucas Stauffer. You may laugh at oh, me, yeah. but, but I know this shit. <laughs> yeah, he would be the guy. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, uh, let us know in the comments right after this what your Fantasy Five Aside team will be. Uh, it's a pretty fun thought experiment, I think, to have over the uh, international break and mm-hmm. to tide us over until we're talking about Nashville some other time. But that, like I said, is some other time because we will not be talking about Nashville in this uh, episode because we got to stretch content out. You have to understand, <laughs> it's like YouTube, right? We need, we, this needed to be a filler episode. Yeah. <laughs> this is our bottle episode. This is our bottle episode. Yeah. So this, this is a me. This is a Juan and I are just basically doing our best Walt and Jesse impersonation in the lab right now. But only <laughs> instead of like trying to look at fly only in trying to look inside of bottles and climbing ladders while a fly is on the wall. We're talking about like, uh, dudes. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about dudes. And speaking of dudes, we talk, uh, talk about the questions that dudes have sent into us this week. So thank you once again, everybody for sending in a question or a comment. We always appreciate anything you may be willing to send to us. 
So first and foremost, from our friend Arak Drinker, <laughs> Patrick Haddad. <laughs> um, Fabio breaking the assist record but not scoring all year would be pretty funny. Yeah, it would be pretty funny, wouldn't it? Like, my my goal for the rest of the season, basically, is if Fabio and Klimala don't score, but they rack up, like, 30 assists each. <laughs> like, that would be so that's funny. Like, that's like, uh, that would be, like, the reverse tier. No, that would be the same as the Thierry Henry. Like, we, he comes in, we're expecting him to score goals, but he's just setting guys up. Yeah, exactly. And then, like... Or, uh, yeah, then- it would be... Like the Federico Iguain situation or something like that. How do you say Caden should have 35 goals in Portuguese? <laughs> <laughs> or Polish? Uh, let us know, Portuguese and Polish friends. Uh, it's, it's for a bit. It's for a bit. It's always for it's a Monica. bit. It's we're Monica. Just, we're just thinking of <laughs> <laughs> uh, Next question from Tom. With the windows for Euro teams opening this week, Denmark, France in particular, should we be more inclined to see players moving before the MLS window reopens? Or do you believe any international departures will coincide with the reopening of the MLS window? I mean, I think it's pretty clear at this point, right, that the players are going to move when the deals are agreed, right? I don't really think Kevin Thelwell is going to be too bound to like obviously there are like obviously there are windows where they are legally allowed to move clubs but that doesn't stop people from i guess striking deals in the meantime you know i don't think uh the players are i mean like i don't know like uh i I don't i don't know i mean i think uh the players are gonna move when the deals are agreed i guess i mean like uh no real way to really predict these kind of things so they happen when they happen and that's sort of like mm-hmm. my non-binding like not very deep answer but that's just how it goes i mean i'm sure it'd be reasonable to expect that there will be some people on the way out when that happens i'm not really inclined to say no am i really yeah i'm not really too inclined to predict when that's going to happen i just yeah. know that they're probably just going to move when the deals are agreed like that's basically about it Yes. Yeah, David. I mean, like, if you're thinking of like who who comes to mind, like David Jensen is in Denmark right now. Yeah, <laughs> so I, mean, I don't. He's know. probably gone. I mean, like, at some point, I don't know when that's going to happen, but no, it's probably going to happen soon, based on uh, the fact that he's posting um, from Denmark. I don't know. He just wants to grill, for God's sakes. Yeah, I'm just gonna just gonna let that guy do whatever they do in that perverted country. That doesn't exist. <laughs> I mean, Jorgensen's probably on his way out somewhere else as well, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, I would imagine that the white trade for Tem indicates that we're probably planning on bringing someone in, but when that happens, you know, again, like, I don't know. And, you know, I mean, like, until that happens, like, it's, it's really not too, uh, not something I'm too uh, thinking too much about, basically. Um, so from RBNY UK, rounding out the bag this week, with Fabio's loan being extended and the club option to be taken up postseason, how nice is it to have a front office knowing what it's doing again? Well, I mean, I think uh, I mean it goes without saying. We've been very effusive on this podcast about it, but 
Um, I've liked what I've seen from Kevin Thelwell and Gerhard Schuber so far. Right. I think uh, I can't deny the commitment to the team. I can't deny the um, I can't deny the fact that they seem more interested in bringing in the kind of help that they think the team needs first and foremost, and then figuring out the spots later. And I appreciate how business seems to be done at a much mm-hmm. faster rate, right? You know, I think uh, it's it can't be understated enough, like how much, how crazy it is you can bring 12 guys in the offseason <laughs> without really breaking a sweat and incorporating most of these guys into a new look team. That's yeah. already starting to look pretty pretty all right just seven games into a new season so you know i mean i think uh what they're doing right now it's no mean feat none should be taken away and that's why i think again like you know with the transfers and deals being agreed like it's up to kevin thelwell really i think uh who knows what thelwell's thinking we're only going to hear about it when it happens so yeah i mean probably has something planned um yeah probably has something planned wait and see what they are uh, yeah. So yeah, big uh, ups. It probably it probably reminds me of like compared to the Jesse days of when it was like Jesse and Ali Curtis, um, but it doesn't seem like either of them of of either Struber or Thelwell, uh have have an adversarial relationship between the two of them yet. So it just feels like uh, both the sporting side and uh, uh, the actual footballing side are on the same page. Yeah. Right. I mean, like, we can, you can just completely uh, negate, like, uh, the, whatever shit fuck Mark de Grand Prix is doing on the business side of things because that place is kind of right. cool. <laughs> I mean, like, whatever. And, like, and like, uh, like, we just know that, like, Burnt Eibler is not going to become sporting director. <laughs> yeah, some stupid shit like that, yeah. It'd be nice. Yeah. Because, like, I think looking back on the Jesse days, like, a lot of that was on Jesse and his forcing his personality on the team. And now it seems less, like, it's just... Uh, guys who are working as a team. Yeah, it's a more democratized system, that's for sure, right? Like, more mm-hmm. collective effort rather than one guy, like, calling... Rather one big man calling all the shots and then leaving the team to crater in his absence. I guess, uh, you know, that's the thing that will kind of bother me at the end of the day when we talk about Jesse's departure is that, yeah, you know, I mean, he is undoubtedly probably the greatest manager that this team has ever seen up until this point, but you also can't deny that... Um it's looking even more apparent that he just kind of left this team to kind of just die in its own accord in his absence <laughs> once he decided to leave for Germany. So, <laughs> or he, or he had a, he had a, a, a big binder of like notes that were saying for Chris on it. And like, he found it in his luggage when he got to Germany. He's like, Oh shit. <laughs> womp, Yeah. Um, Needless to say, yeah, I mean, like, I, I've been quite happy what I've seen from Kevin Delwell and Gerhard Schroeber so far, and I really hope it continues for the rest of the year. Like, it's the, the vibes are decidedly a lot better this year, right? I think uh, it's the highest level of uh, play we've seen in general since Jesse left. That's not really a very high bar to clear at all, but at least we are clearing it, and I'm happy that we are because of it, because... Uh, we shouldn't take stuff like that for granted, I don't think. So, yeah. Um, 
Shoutouts to Kevin Thelwell and Gerhard Schuber. Uh, I saw the check in the mail, so thanks. Um, <laughs> Keep up the great work, lads. Yes. <laughs> Look, it was. It's Thank not, you. Very kind. You see, it's not stimulus if it comes from the government. <laughs> right. I'm an employee of Red Bull, according to some people online. So you know, it's fine. Little do you know, I don't work for Red Bull, sir. I work for a bank, and they fund Red Bull. You sons of bitches. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! So I've outed myself as a. So now that I've outed myself out as Emraz, uh, that's going to be the end of the episode. Um, <laughs> um, that's going to be. That's going to take us to the end. Uh, I think we'll be back to uh, talk about Nashville closer to game day. Uh, but for now, enjoy the international break. Euro twenty twenty one actually starts this evening for me. Starts this afternoon for you guys, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken. Uh, starting off the absolute barnstormer of uh, Italy versus Turkey. So, uh, oh yeah, one is comical nationalism versus cartoon nationalism. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, like I literally saw it, like a like I remember seeing somewhere that Burak Yilmaz is basically Turkish Ibrahimovic, and I didn't really know what to make of it, make of a take like that. <laughs> he is, I think, like I've seen bits and pieces of him this year, and he is like he's better now at thirty five than he was when he was twenty seven. Like he's sort of reinvented himself. Obviously, he won the league with Lille, and well, we don't have to talk about international soccer, but like he's like reinvented himself. Uh, He's kind of doing the like the Aritz Aduris thing where he just gets better with age. And you know what? Good for him, I guess. Like <laughs> good for him, I guess. Like uh I, I, I can say with some confidence that I have not seen this man play a minute of professional soccer. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like you said, we don't need to talk about international soccer. But yeah, if it's on your radar, um Copa America coming up as well. So uh yeah. Maybe get behind our boy Christian Caceres in Venezuela. You should get behind Venezuela in general, to be honest. Like, <laughs> uh, and uh, I think I think that's it, right? It's Euro, it's the Euro, it's Copa America. Yeah, I don't think any other major internationals happened this week. So, is Singapore playing anytime soon? Yeah, we got binned five uh, nil by Uzbekistan in our in our World Cup qualifier, and before that, we got binned four oh, nil by Palestine. But it's okay. Um, <laughs> I mean, it was for a good cause. It was for a good. It was, cause. Good, it was for a good cause. Oh man, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think I'm missing any big internationals that have transpired over the last week or next week or so, right? Yeah, no, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so. I think we're good. Uh, so yeah. With that being said, Metro Fan TV, thanks for listening once again, Juan. Thank you for your time and for the segment. We hope you enjoyed it. Um, and of course, let us know in the comments your your fantasy five aside team. And if you didn't like the segment, tweet sixty nine to Andrew Weeby. <laughs> Thank you. Have a good day, and enjoy international break. Goodbye. <laughs>